This episode of I Ride a Bike is supported in part by Allspeed, the official bike shop of the podcast. With convenient locations in Portland, Bethel, and Carabasset Valley, Maine, Allspeed is the local shop for everything bike. For more information and to check out their latest hot deals, please visit allspeed.com. Hi, I'm Seth Ballier, the host of I Ride a Bike, where each episode we follow one basic premise, to never grow old, one ride at a time, and the stories that follow. Take me back to the times when we would grab our bikes and ride the days into the night. Though our eyes would soon be open for the moment we were golden. Today I'm coming back to you from the uh, home base studio here in Scarborough, Maine, and I'm lucky enough to be sitting down with Abby Shaw. We've uh, known each other for several years through, uh, I guess, mostly through the in, like, restaurant industry, stuff like that, whether I was behind the bar or Abby was. But, uh, of course, we've known that we both love riding bikes, so it became a natural conversation and uh, finally was able to convince her to drive all the way from Bangor down to Scarborough and apparently a round trip today. Um, and she's a uh, self-described transient millennial with way too many hobbies, which we'll dive into a couple of those, <laughs> primarily touch on the bike part of it, but uh, we'll, we'll dabble in other, uh, other uh, tangents here. So, but welcome to Scarborough. Welcome to uh, the podcast, Abby. Thanks for making it down. Super stoked to be here. Yeah, it's like to finally, finally have, have you here. We tried to connect a few weeks ago uh, on an early Saturday, and I think we both made the <laughs> wonderful mistake of staying up way too late the night before. And... Just couldn't uh, <laughs> gather our wits to make it happen that Saturday, but but here we are. So yeah, we made it. <laughs> we did. We did. Well, I'm gonna start you off with the uh, basic question of why do you ride a bike? Um, so many reasons: physical health, mental health. Uh, it's super fun. Um, we love that. It's a way to commute. It's a way to get to places that you couldn't really see and the same way that you could like on foot or in a car um and like fundraising there's a lot of cool fundraising events and you can just like go ride your bike and raise a bunch of money for cool causes and i think that's really awesome yeah absolutely and that's one of the ways i first discovered that you rode bikes so much was seeing your trek across maine and stuff like that so we'll get into that a little a little later but that's that's really great so so where uh, you you grew up in maine then are you are you a mainer i am through and through a mainer like multi-generational like deep roots on both sides um i grew up in aroostook county in a little town called mapleton right outside of presque isle uh backcountry farm roads Half of them were paved, half of them weren't, um, didn't really have any neighbors. My neighbor was like quarter mile up the road and, um, that's actually who taught me how to ride a bike. Oh, right on. And how old were you when you learned to ride a bike then? Oh boy. Probably like four, okay, five, yeah, yeah. like getting out there, falling a lot. Was it a bike of your own or did this neighbor have bikes and sort of said, Hey, Abby, jump on this bike and I'll, we'll learn how to do it. It was definitely her bike. It was this girl named Leah who like. I mean, thinking back, probably shouldn't have been babysitting me because she's maybe like four or five years older <laughs> right. than me, but like welcome to Northern Maine in the right. 90s. Um, and it was definitely her bike and there were not training wheels on it. It was just like, we're just going to like send it and go. I really don't remember ever having training wheels. Yeah. That was not a thing. Um, and it was on a gravel road. And I specifically remember like picking rocks out of like my elbows and my knees quite frequently. Well, it helps to remind you why not to fall, right? When you're yeah. pulling gravel out, out of yeah. the knees, the kneecaps. It yeah. also teaches you how to fall right? yeah. without hurting yourself. Yeah. There were certainly times I remember we lived on a dirt road and there were those nights where I was just done with riding and I'm heading home and just summer, beautiful summer day and I'm just... I, I specifically remember this one time riding along and just lo 
looking towards the house and just, wow, such a great day. I'm like 12, 13 years old. And next thing you know, I'm supermaning on all fours across <laughs> the dirt road and out of nowhere. And, you know, you limp home and whatever. But it was all part about being a kid. You know, if you don't have those scars, you didn't really live as a kid, I guess. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> totally. So do you remember your first bike then? Uh, I do. The first bike that I actually owned that like wasn't, I have, I have five brothers and I'm a middle child. So I used my older brother's bikes a lot, but my first bike was this like really crappy mongoose from Walmart. It was gray and purple. Um, Santa got it for me. <laughs> Big air quotes. And yeah. I, yeah. And I like really loved that bike. Like that, that bike and I went through a lot of different memories. Yeah, right on. What was your, uh, so that one, you already learned how to ride a bike at that point. So yeah. you, you got, the, was it like a BMX kind of style or was it a- It's like more like mountain, mountain bike. bike okay, yeah. yeah, like big, like fat tires yeah. and like super heavy and clunky and the gears would always stick But you must together. have been stoked at the time when you- I was so stoked. I would still be stoked with a bike like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> like honestly, right. I'm like, if it, if it goes, I'm here for it. <laughs> right, right. That's awesome. And the uh, older brothers, younger brothers, did you all ride bikes together? Like a little family crew heading up and down the dirt road? Yeah, that definitely happened. It wasn't often that we all did it fully together, but we definitely um, rode a lot together. We had a, like a huge driveway um, with this really cool like double hill thing, a grass hill thing, and we would build some jumps mm -hmm. um, and we would like launch off that and that was really fun um and i was watching home videos quite recently actually and there's home videos of all of us just like riding in circles together oh, really? like waving at our parents like and it's so funny to see like we're all different sizes like we look like a little circus ring <laughs> yeah that's really great I i'm I'm jealous of that. I wish that we had videos of us. We have some photos and things like that, but we didn't. We we didn't have a whole lot of money growing up, and we didn't have a the back then. It was a VHS camera, you know, big shoulder mounted that's, camera. Yeah, but, that's what it was. Yeah, right. So we didn't have that, but uh, but that's great. That you had that those videos at least to look back on. Yeah, I'm like I don't remember that, but like that looked about right right well you watch the videos enough it, it'll slowly become a memory and you, you'll hard, have hard time separating the difference between the two maybe it's you know? true it's, it's it'll so lock true. in there as a memory yeah. but um so being uh, the middle sister though with the older brothers did they uh, put you up to any you know the jumps were you the tester of it and everything like that oh there was a lot there was yeah we really um we were like not that nice to each other <laughs> yeah. but like classic I think the status quo for sister. most yeah and it was definitely times when they're like egging me on i'm like i don't want to do this i'm gonna get hurt like like oh no you're gonna do it it's gonna be great and they're like yeah we already did it we already did it and like i'd launch off this jump and like a leg would kick out and it would just collapse my back tire would like fall with it and then i'd like over the handlebars i have this like great scar on my lip which is like I think I split my lip in this place like three different times from like plumping over handlebars. All bike related. All bike yeah. related. Yeah. And again, you know the scars are the stories that uh, of your childhood. So yeah. I mean, I'm sure at the time you weren't really excited about it, but you know, you're I, smiling now thinking about it. Yeah. No, I like. <laughs> I feel like my parents always told me I took my injuries with ease. I've never broken a bone. I don't know how Knock that has <laughs> never a bone. I have so many scars and stitches. I had a bike pedal get like stuck in my knee once. It's <laughs> gnarly scar from that. Um, but yeah, I don't even remember my injuries. I don't, I don't ever remember a single time where I like got hurt bad enough that like would prevent me from doing it again yeah yeah like i said the, the one solid memory of, of crashing was just that sliding out on gravel I, the same thing i i definitely did some try to do backflips and smash my shins or definitely uh maybe hit the crossbar where where it really hurts you know a few times that i 
would rather not have. But uh, <laughs> in the end, yeah, same thing. I somehow came out re- relatively unscathed from my childhood. So yeah, <laughs> um, I had to leave it to our regular organized sports before I started breaking things. You know, so yeah, yeah, that's like where the real injuries happen, right? Which is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm playing basketball. I mean, you know, I'm going off these crazy jumps on my bike as a kid, not breaking anything. Then I'm playing basketball in the gym and I break my ankle. You know, it's like what? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the. Uh, besides uh, building these jumps and things like that in your yard, did you go on any adventures from your place? I mean, growing up in the country, it's just the freedom of a bike. You're just kind of out there past your, you know, horizon. Yeah, we, so I had basically like one friend growing up because, you know, you grow up with five brothers like that is, those are your friends. Mm-hmm. I had one um, friend that lived like three-ish miles from me and her and I would ride our bikes to each other's house all the time. Our parents gave us total free reign, like from a very young age, you know, their cars almost never rode on these roads. So it was fine. Um, and we would ride to and from each other's house and there was always this one huge hill where we wouldn't ride up it and we wouldn't ride down it and then one day we just decided it was so steep or so yeah. steep and i actually rode up there dirt road d- dirt sorry dirt road and i rode up there last year and i was like is this hill as big as i remember <laughs> it and i'm not kidding i'm like this hill is bigger than i remember <laughs> really? it okay, yeah. and i was like holy crap i'm like i would it's paved now. So I'm like, I should take a skateboard down this, right? <laughs> um, I didn't because I'm 31 years old and don't have health insurance. So that's probably not a smart decision. Um, but I Fair. wanted to do it. Yeah. I'm like, maybe I could longboard, like lay down and longboard. But the hill is huge. Yeah. It is massive. Um the bus also went on that hill, and I always remember the bus wouldn't pick the kids up that lived on the hill. The bus would go down the hill, and and the kids would have to walk down the oh, hill because yeah. the bus wouldn't stop so on the hill. It was okay. like so, so steep. So one day, we're just like, we're going to do it. We're going to ride down this hill, and her road was like right at the bottom of the hill, and then there was a big uphill. So we just full send down the hill. We're like there's on the mongoose on them on the mongoose. Yeah, yeah. She had like a, a crappier bike than I did. Didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> um, and we just like blew past her road up the other hill, kept going. And then there was this girl playing outside that was our age. And we're like, oh, hello. We don't know you. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, basically, I'm homeschooled, so I don't have any friends. And we're like, we'll be your friend. <laughs> and we became friends with this girl. And she's like, I have horses. Do you want to come pet them? And we're like, duh. Yeah, we really do. And um, now I love horses because of that one experience of riding my bike. <laughs> That's really great. Did did, uh, did you let her ride your bike? <laughs> um, she ended up riding bikes with us. She had her own bike. Yeah. We didn't ride bikes that day, but we like became friends. Yeah, she did, yeah. Like her name was Annalise and we became friends throughout like probably like three or four years of my childhood. And yeah. then I had ended up moving away. Um, and her and I are still in touch to this day. So that's very cool. Um, we like lost touch for a very long time, but then the power of social media brought us together again. (laughs) And yeah, that was like so neat. So now we're like a little like three girl bike gang, you know, in the country roads of Mapleton, Maine. That's because you finally got the courage up to bomb that hill. To bomb that hill and then go over the other hill. We're like, we didn't even know this land existed because technically we weren't supposed to be there. We were like rule followers. We didn't like break the rules. They're like, stay on the road. Only the road that gets you to each other's houses. We're like, okay, yeah. Yeah, they gave you enough freedom that you didn't feel like you had to rebel by being you know, yeah. against the rules, right? Yeah, so. and this rebellion was accidental rebellion because <laughs> we couldn't stop it was soon momentum. enough. It was, Mo- it was, it was momentum. It, it, we it no was momentum. Yeah. We didn't have a choice. <laughs> That's great. So then you're so now you had this uh three girl gang. Did you did you ever come up with a name for your gang? No, I like looking back, wish we did. Yeah. I'm like, man, what would we have called ourselves? We were we were weird kids. We were like three re- weird girls. We like not doing normal girl stuff. We're like playing in the mud, going to the brook, trying to catch fish with our hands, like 
building like little ships to sail down the stream and like that that was our whole friendship was yeah well, just that's wonderful country outside. living right there i mean you're speaking my language this is a if my brother or my sisters are listening to this episode they, they would definitely be yep nodding along like that's exactly what we did we had a little creek that ran through our valley and we'd make little boats and we'd catch crayfish and we'd do all sorts of things yeah. and they would be there with us the whole time me and my brother my two sisters so that's really great. Um, did you? Uh, I keep asking that question too to back up about the the bike gang names because I'm just waiting for someone to find. Like, actually, I yes, actually, we had yes. we had vests, we had hats. You know what I mean? <laughs> so someday somebody will have an answer to that. It'll be uh, a whole magnificent tangent of a story. So, um, so then you had these the, these two friends. Did you guys then uh, for the next couple of years? Did you often ride bikes then, or go off on adventures together? I would say like. Riding bikes is how we like got to and from each other's houses. Mm -hmm. You know, we were like, we didn't rely on like our parents' transportation. Um, we would just like, oh, hey, I'm going to call you on the phone and like, <laughs> oh, you're a busy line. Well, I'm just going to ride my bike to your house then and <laughs> if see the if you're busy, home. Then someone's there. <laughs> yeah. So. so, so we would just like randomly show up and sometimes they wouldn't be there and you'd have to ride home and sometimes they would be there and then you'd stay out until the sun went down and then you'd be like, okay, guess I'm going to ride home. Or it'd be like, oops, we waited too long and now it's dark. So one of our parents have to put the bike in the car and drive us home because yeah. we can't ride home in the dark. Yeah, it could be a little bit little bit more dangerous. No, no lights, no yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah, we did not have lights on our bikes. Yeah. I mean... I Trying to think. I mean, I guess I've had lights on my bikes when I lived in this in Portland and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, yeah, I just keep it minimal and try to get home before it's too dark out. Yeah, keep a headlamp maybe. But I have a really nice light on my bike now, but yeah. I ride my bike quite frequently at night, so it's quite necessary. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. at least I always had the the blinking tail light, so yeah. I felt a little safer. Yeah. Definitely didn't have that as a kid. No. <laughs> also, never wore helmets, which blow. I'm like. I'm a firm helmet person, especially if you're like riding in traffic. I'm like, you got to put that helmet on. It's going to save your life. 100%. One day. But as a kid, like when we bombed that down that hill, I did not have a helmet on. I didn't have elbow pads or knee pads. And I'm kind of like wondering, like, would I have taken more risk if I knew I was protected? Right. Do you think you would have? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that I still would have taken the risk. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you took so much risk already. Yeah. That As an adult, now I'm like full bubble wrap me and I'll do anything. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> it is fun. I mean, going back, there were, I was, I guess I was talking to, I was talking to Seth Westcott, I think. We were talking about first helmets and I was in college before I ever had a helmet and it never even occurred to me to wear a helmet. It was just, you know, safety was just getting out of the way of the car before it hits you, I guess. Yeah. It was like, you know, and that was, that was it. Or like jumping off the bike before you like really like are about to like plow into a ditch or a tree or something. <laughs> like just like learn how to bail before it gets too bad. Yeah, right, right. Again, like you said, those are uh, wonderful skills to acquire over time. Yeah. You know, necessary uh, longevity skills or whatever so yeah yeah no helmets so yeah I, and nowadays I, I i won't go anywhere I, if i'm sitting out in my driveway doing figure eights and just practicing whatever i put my helmet on and i might look like a kook but it's one of those things that in my mind if katie rolls in gets home from work and i'm just lying there in the driveway my head split open because i was a dummy yeah. <laughs> no i'm just gonna wear a helmet and be safe you know yeah it's like <laughs> yeah fashion is like not priority no, not <laughs> you know all. like and like maybe we should just make helmets fashionable like Helmets are sexy. Like, yeah, let's right, just right. like Make it a, say yeah. that right now. Helmets are sexy, and everybody should wear one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you, this was uh... yeah. So in two thousand two, when I was twelve, yep. I moved to Ellsworth, Maine. Yep. And the way I rode a bike changed okay. <laughs> because I lived in a town, and I wasn't really used to the town. Um, so I, I became friends with all these people that like skateboarded and had a bmx bike and i'd never seen a bmx bike before so i was like what is this thing <laughs> what do you mean you're like riding it on stairs and downstairs and on ramps i'm like this is a whole new world for me my mind is blown everything is paved yeah, right, right. <laughs> um <laughs> everything is paved yeah everything's <laughs> paved 
and so I, I like get in with these people that skate and I'm like, I really want a BMX bike. I'm like, I want a BMX bike. And my parents, um, didn't hear me. I don't know that they said no. I don't really remember. I just know that I never got one. You never did. And <laughs> I oh. never got one. But I rode my friends and I fell into skateboarding instead. Yep. And there was like half of us that had a bike and half of us that skateboarded and maybe one or two people that rollerbladed. <laughs> <laughs> you rollerbladed to admit it. No? <laughs> I tried it, but like, I'm honest, honestly not good at it. Right. I was not good on the blades. <laughs> it, I, I did attempt and I did not succeed, yeah. but I was like, okay at skateboarding. So I was okay. like, this is cool. So like we had a little bit of a, a group there like in middle school and we petitioned the town of Ellsworth specifically the YMCA because we were getting in trouble all the time for like riding our bikes and our skateboards like on key bank steps and right, stuff sure, like that yeah. and they're like cops would come and they'd be like you can't be here we're gonna bring you yeah. home so we were like then give us a skate park you know and the town was like okay and we got a skate park did you actually spearhead this or you have your parents or our parents and stuff like that so it was um there was this family called the chungs they owned china hill and elsewhere um and then my dad owned a company called atlantic builders and they got together and they like sponsored the skate park so my dad built all of the ramps and donated all of the ramps for the skate park and then the chung family like donated the money that it cost to like get it paved and installed and then we like collectively as a group I will say I didn't really like take much part in this um but my friends did in like designing the layout that we wanted and we designed it so that stuff could be moved easily so the skate park got built and we had it and we used it I was there every single day after school Helmet required. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, I was and say, that when did, was when the helmet started. That's then? when the helmet started, right. and that's when the helmet was required. And I met like so many people, like skating and riding yeah. there. And that, that like skate park like changed my life. And it was like, okay, cool. We're not like hooligans anymore. Like, we have a place to go that is a safe place. Yeah, cool. So, you basically, in a, sh- a very short amount of time, you went from country living, riding dirt roads, getting home before, you know, trying to be home before dark to living in this paved world and uh, petitioning to get some skate parks built and becoming a hooligan and then making it more acceptable. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> or something, so. We still got in trouble sometimes. Of course. But, but they knew where you were having the trouble at this time, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that skate park still there? No. no. So it was kind of sad. It was like our group was really the only ones to use it. Oh, really? And then like the people after us, it was like less and less and less, which I think like we are actually seeing through skate parks across the state. Like the Bangor skate park is like not really a thing anymore either, Really? Okay. which is a huge bummer. Um, and like Rye Airfield closed. Like yeah. we used to take trips down to Rye. And, like, the foam pit that they had there was so fun. I did launch, like, some bikes into the foam pit. And I was like, this is... I've always wanted to do that. Oh, my God. Never so, have, but... so cool. So, because you're like, nothing can hurt me. <laughs> um, and, like, that's closed. So, it's like, I feel like, like, that's, like, dying out with kids. Like... Sadly, I think that kids are trying to, you know, a lot of this is because they're they're riding bikes on a you know, a handheld device of some kind or they're skate, you know, they're playing games and they're not actually playing anymore, you know? Yeah. I see a lot of that, you know, there's, I know there's some, a lot of organizations and recent, uh, guest, by the time this comes out, his air would have aired, but it was uh Bo who ran Rye airfield for 20 years. And so he's got some programs about, um, getting kids on skateboards and on bikes that he's really pushing now and, pushing it out across the country. So hopefully, you know, with some of these grassroots organizations and things, we'll see more and more kids getting outside and riding bikes and riding skateboards or whatever and actually exercising, you know, their whole body rather than just their thumbs, you know, so. Yeah, and let's, like, also get back to, like, the community where it's, like, Mm -hmm. kids can be safe on the street and, like, the whole community as a whole is, like, going to take care of them instead of, like, this kid's 11 and has no supervision. Like, where's this parent? Like, on this residential streets. Like, 
it's a weird shift that that happened seemingly so quickly and it seems to have happened to the, the maybe I'm generalizing here but the parents who are are you know pointing fingers and saying these are the same kids that used to have no parents around all the time so yeah. it's like swung full 180 or something but yeah I mean I, I I will never have kids but if I did um I would be like yeah dude like go do your thing like you have a cell phone, so call me if you get hurt, <laughs> right. you know, like, which would make me a bad parent by today's standards. Yeah, well, I mean, by yes, someone else's standards. You right, know, yeah, so. that's right, fair, right, that's right. fair. All right, so now you're hanging out, you never got your BMX bike, though. I never got my BMX bike. But you got to bike. ride some BMX bikes. Did you still have that mongoose at that time, or did, what was your next bike after? I had graduated to a, like, a more road friendly bike at that time that was handed down to me by my older brother Ben okay I don't remember what kind of bike it was it was a little too big for me it was one of those like no matter how far I lowered the seat I was still on my tip tip toes Mm -hmm. um but I like loved that bike and I also trashed that bike yeah how so (laughs) just like did it like leaving it out in the rain (laughs) just like when I'm done with it just throwing it down it had a kickstand that I never used even <laughs> once you know just like well, they're inconvenient you gotta put it down then you gotta put it back yeah up. You just, just drop the bike it's yeah done. just drop the bike and go do whatever you gotta do yeah. so it's just like classic kid stuff sure so was this part of the you know the way your riding changed though was your paved world and now road bikes made more sense than riding a you know necessarily a mountain bike or something yeah and then it kind of changed like I started riding my bike like I'd put my skateboard in my backpack and I'd ride my bike to the skate park mm-hmm. so it became like I wasn't riding my bike just to ride my bike anymore I was riding my bike to like get to the places that I wanted to go and then you know I'm like cool I got my skateboard I'm gonna ride my bike to the skate park because skating to the skate park you're like oh there's cars and there's so much gravel and I'm not gonna do that I'm just gonna ride my bike drop your bike go skating get on your bike go home and that's how I got to all my friends houses in Ellsworth too we would all just like ride our bikes Mm -hmm. to wherever we wanted to go Denny's was 24 hours so like imagine like a group of 14 year olds rolling (laughs) in at midnight like on their bikes with their skateboards and their backpacks and we're like yeah I mean I'd have to say if I saw that rolling up like oh god what what trouble are these kids gonna cause there was a server named Deborah, and um Denny's is closed now, but I do know that the last year that they closed, Deborah was still there, and Deborah was the most amazing uh, server. So, so she was totally welcoming. She to your, was your so group. cool. <laughs> yeah. She was so cool, so nice to us, and she was always there. Like, I think now as an adult, I'm like, man, you're working overnights at a Denny's. Like, you are a champion. Yeah, like, right. you are doing God's sure. work. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, though, I mean. I mean there's a whole nother, you know, side where the server would be 14 kids coming in, a bunch of teenagers, and be like, I do not want that section. That's not my section. Don't put them somewhere else. You yeah. Know? She was so nice to us all the time. That's she right. was so cool. Um, yeah, like, Deborah. knew us by our names, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, she was like the mom. She was like our so, nighttime mom. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's really great. Then uh, with your uh, skating and BMX, you know, friends and things like that, how many times did you... Uh, grab the back of the bike and, and try to fly down the road way too many times <laughs> so many times um and there was one kid who was like got really into filming and was pretty good at it mm-hmm. so he would always like grab a backpack and be like filming somebody skating while the person was biking and that that was really fun and cool to always watch and then if I like didn't have my bike for whatever reason, I'd always just hop on the pegs and we'd be like, all right, on to the next destination. Totally, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the pegs were obviously meant for freestyle, but they're transportation, adding friends to your bike. You yeah. can easily get two other people on a BMX bike besides the rider yeah. easily. Yeah, handlebars. backpacks, you know, <laughs> yes. it's like all you really needed. So, oh, so many times. Yeah. I can't remember the last time actually anybody rode on my handlebars. Yeah. Know? I wonder if that's even a. I don't know. You're like, yeah, I'm you're like. Think like hmm, but I really want to. Are do we that. gonna put Katie on the handlebars <laughs> yeah. later? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. She has her own bike. She'll be fine. Yeah. So, uh, maybe my little niece or nephew and 
give them a little ride around the yard or something. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Way more manageable, too, cause for weight distribution. <laughs> I was just going to say, too, yeah, when you have, like, you know, a 45-pound kid when you're a kid is one thing. When have, Oh, geez, I almost put my foot in my mouth. Love you, Katie. <laughs> when you have an adult on the handlebars, it's a whole different thing, so... Oh, uh, boy. Um, that could come back and get me for sure. Uh, so, all right. So now you're in Ellsworth, your teenage years. Did you, is this a time when you got your driver's license? I got my driver's license when I was 16. And um, as soon as I got my driver's license, that's when we started taking trips to Rye Airfield. Okay. Yep. So, um, I mean, my parents would bring us before that. Like, shout out to my parents. You guys were awesome. They were so supportive, bringing like me and my friends everywhere that we wanted to go all the time for for anything. Wow, um, so cool. But then I, my first car was this like '96 Chevy Tahoe Extended Cab. Wow. Okay. So we had room for a lot of bikes. A bus, we could just yeah. like pile the kids in. Bench seat in the front, bench seat in the back. So there's just six of us. I'm 16. They're like, wait six months before you have friends in the car. I'm like, cool, six days sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then we're just, we're on it. We're like down to Rye Airfield every weekend. We're going to like the. All the way from Ellsworth. All the way yeah. from Ellsworth. We're going to the half pipe down yeah. in like Rockland. And that was really fun. And that's cool. Just like. But you, at that time then, were you still. Split, kind of splitting your time between riding bikes and skating or was skating became your thing skating became my thing yep. and then at that point i had discovered dirt bikes okay so then i was like my biking transformed into me being on a dirt bike at okay. that point in my yeah. life how did uh you introduce to dirt bikes then um so well i had my first dirt bike when i was like five okay and i didn't like ride it that much and all my brothers really loved riding dirt bikes and yeah. It just kind of happened, and I was like, I also want a dirt bike, so I got a TTR 125 Yamaha, and I would go to the pit, and I started riding that to school, and I started riding that to the skate park on the railroad tracks. Oh, right, right on, yeah, cool. We wore a helmet with that, though. Yeah, yeah. like full-face helmet. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, again, grew up in the country. We didn't have dirt bikes, but we had friends that did. And we weren't allowed to ride them. But my, what my parents didn't know, couldn't hurt them, you know, unless we crashed really bad. So we would meet up. We'd ride our bikes to meet up with friends on some, like, corner of a dirt road out in the middle of nowhere, put our bikes in the ditch, and all, like, jump on the dirt bikes and take off and, and ride for a while. But I, love that. I don't remember wearing a helmet, though, with that either. So Yeah, I did with that. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. We're, we're still both here, so, you know. <laughs> we are alive. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Well, I feel like this is a good spot to take a, a quick little uh, break before we dive into the uh, after uh, high school years. So we'll be right back after these messages. There's a legend about the race between Medicine Mike and the guy who rode the Baja Bike. That's Baja by Murray. They thumb shift in 10 speed with pro style cantilever brakes, all terrain tires, and the grit to get you from timber to town. They raced from the hills to the center of town, and when Medicine Mike finally settled down, he said, Don't think I was racing, son. I just wanted to see that Baja run. If a legend's what you're looking for, Murray gives you more, more, more. Finally, the days of having dirt back under the tires is upon us. Well, maybe some mud and a few sketchy potholes, but it's spring, and I for one am stoked. And to get you ready for another great season, all you have to do is stop by Allspeed's amazing new flagship store, conveniently located right off the Portland Trail System at 936 Brighton Avenue. In addition to a full range of bikes and accessories for riders of all levels, the super friendly staff at Allspeed is ready to help with everything from your basic spring tune-up to a full custom build. And be sure to keep an eye out for a season of fun events, parties, and shenanigans. With convenient locations in Portland, Carabasset Valley, and Bethel, Maine, Allspeed is the local shop for everything bike. For more information and to check out their latest hot deals, please visit allspeed.com. Allspeed, the official bike shop of the podcast. And we're back with Abby Shaw, um, where we left off. She was bombing all of her friends in a giant truck down to Rye Airfield. And uh, so you were about what, 16 then, you said 16, 17. 
Um, did you, with the advent of, uh, or the introduction of a driver's license, did you take any time away from riding bikes at all, which is pretty typical, it seems? Yeah. So uh, from age like 17 to 23, I like really didn't ride a bike much at all, um, unless I was like maybe trying to get somewhere quick. I'd dig my old bike out that was rusty, that didn't really work that well. <laughs> um, but just yeah. for no other reason than just uh yeah well I mean like I'd fallen into some stuff and um that took like priority over everything else in okay. my life and okay. that's that's when I I had a the drug problem with the opiates and things okay. like that so basically all my hobbies uh fell wayside and okay. I was always a person of hobbies and um then when I rediscovered bike riding, that is like that is what really helped me like get clean, turn my life around, and just like re- rediscover myself. Okay, right on. So you're so you're about twenty three then, and then what basically brought you brought the bike back into your life, which then sort of helped you out of this place. Um. So I had been working in insurance. Um, and I actually I worked for Ori Cummings, and he was he was like we're going on a on a bike ride like he, my friend Jake and I and his girlfriend and you should come. Um, I think it would be really great. And I'm like, yeah, I used to love riding bikes. Like maybe I'll show up. And um, then I like did show up, and then I like started hanging out with them and like getting back outside and getting back into riding bikes and then I was gifted a bike that I hadn't had and I was like this is really great for me I like kind of forgot what it's like to like feel alive mm-hmm. and that really helped me feel alive and do you, so do, and do you specifically remember sort of that light bulb moment where where all of a sudden it kind of clicked that you wanted to sort of clean things up and get back out there um my light bulb moment was when one of my friends had overdosed in front of me and that was really hard and I was like what in the actual heck am I doing with my life I'm like this is not who I am to my core and this is not the person that I want to be and I know that I am better than this and um I had had moments like that before but actually experiencing that and being like, this is going to be my reality if I don't figure things out. Um, I I was always so active and so like so outdoorsy and things like that. And I just couldn't remember the last time that I enjoyed really anything. Really, yeah. yeah. And then I uh, went for that bike ride, and I was like, holy heck, man! Like I miss this stuff. Like it made me feel honestly like a kid again. And mm-hmm. I was like, I I felt like a a huge like release of emotion like in that moment and I remember getting back from that ride and being like I need to start hiking again I need to like go fishing I'm like I gotta figure something out yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and then then once those things started lining up they, they naturally started to progress and lead you down that path then yeah yeah I mean it was definitely like a long bumpy road uh it wasn't smooth at all mm-hmm. but um it was I like stuck with trying to like keep myself outside and keep myself like physically active because that like physical engagement that you have when you're on a bike, especially if you do a long bike ride. And this is when I discovered long bike riding. You get into that like like state of mind where the only thing that you can focus on is like pushing through to the next mile and you're just like in the zone and you're you're just it's you and your thoughts and there is nothing else and like you cannot escape yourself like you have to sit with it (laughs) um and that was like that aspect of like the mental health with like the physical health too it became like my body was craving that kind of exercise instead of my body craving like getting high right right well, that's a fantastic transition. I'm glad that uh, worked worked out for you, and you know, yeah, been smiling and riding since then. Yeah, right. yeah, All big, right. big, big rides, big smiles. Yeah, that's that's really wonderful. So, I mean, it, so many people you you know you hear about, unfortunately, sometimes they find that diverging path, and they might take a take it for a while, and and it's a 
it's it's a i mean everyone knows it's a it's an epidemic right now and it's it's a pretty bad thing but i'm you know i'm glad to hear and, and knowing that bikes was the part of the reason that uh brought you back to the the healthier side that's really wonderful so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> think if more people rode bikes more people would yeah i don't know i think it, i think in general if more people rode bikes the world would just be a happier place i agree so, yeah. yeah like because how can you be mad riding a bike unless you're like in new york city or something yeah like that, you that know? stresses me out <laughs> yeah that stresses me out too but like for the most part mm-hmm. like when you're on a bike it's like how are you gonna be mad yeah right. <laughs> you know <laughs> So you started getting into these long rides then, and um, and then it generally just or naturally just became a part of your life. Did you? I know you've done some trek across Maine stuff. Was there a time? How did that transition into? So I was working at Maine Beer Company, mm-hmm. and Maine Beer Company did a lot of really cool things with bikes. Mm-hmm. They had every Thursday the LL Bean bike ride, which was really cool. Um, and then the owner Dave was he had like a huge passion for bikes um so it was really fun to always be chatting with him about that and then I met this guy named Dennis he was an older gentleman and we had talked about bikes and he was like you should do the trek across Spain and I was like well what's that and he told me about it and I'm like this is this came at a time when my mom had first been diagnosed with her metastatic breast cancer that had developed in the lungs. Um, and the Lung Association does a lot of cancer research for METs too that develop in the lungs. And I was like, this is very serendipitous and like I need to do this ride. So it's uh, 180 miles from the mountains to the sea or back then it was. The route has changed since. And... I'm like, I'm in, but I don't have a bike and I'm going to, you know, save up for one. Uh, and a week later, this guy comes in with a Trek Lexa road bike, uh, clip in shoes, bike shorts, jersey, helmet, little Garmin computer for me. Wow. And he was like, if you want to do this, like, I'm going to gift you all of this no stuff. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, this is yours. And like, let's do the track. And I was like, okay. You're in. I was like, I'm in then. Like, here we go. Um, And I got that bike. I'm like, I guess I need to start (laughs) riding it. Um, Never really ridden an actual road bike. Never had clip-ins. I was like, I... I'm going to die on these things. How am I going to bail? Yeah, right. (laughs) A little scary. They still sketch me out, but yeah. Yeah. And um, then Maine Beer Company also had an incentive where if you rode your bike to work, you get 50 cents a mile. Wow. They And uh, I was like, okay. So I'm living in Portland, 24 miles from the brewery. And I'm like, great, that's 48 miles a day. That's almost uh, $25 a day. Um, I work five days a week, so I'm yeah. going to make an extra couple hundred dollars a month riding my bike to work right now. And I just started riding my bike to work to to and from. And Main Beer had showers. Um, so I'm like, I would get there early, shower, make myself some food in the kitchen, and then I'd be like, okay, I'm ready to work. And then I'd ride my bike home. That's so great. I mean, Main Beer Company is... Anybody who knows them knows that, number one, their beer is fantastic, but in all, fantastic company. But I didn't realize it even went that far. That's awesome. They're so, I can't say enough good things about them and the things that they do. They do a ton of stuff with the Bike Bicycle Coalition as well. Mm-hmm. They're huge um, donators for that, and they participate in Bike Maine every single year as well. That's great. Um, so not only were you... Um, training or getting healthier all every day you were also getting paid to do it getting paid to do it like like saving miles on my car saving gas and like riding through like falmouth and cumberland foreside and yarmouth and i'm like along the ocean like does life get any better right absolutely (laughs) so um out of the everyone there who rode the most miles did you ever keep track of things like that we i we didn't really keep track of it i know my roommate derek rode with me a couple of times Mm -hmm. um and then there was uh jeremy that is the operations manager there. He rode a lot too, but he lived in Freeport. Okay. So I'm like, we don't count this. He also had a little motorized longboard that he would ride to work. That's how close he lived. <laughs> okay. So um, 
So you may have won the trophy for the the most miles I'm ridden. I'm pretty yeah. sure I did. Let's just say you did anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's really great. Then was that literally part of the training for the trek across Maine? That then? was the training yeah. for the trek. Um, and the first year I did the trek, I didn't do it with a team. Mm-hmm. I just did it. Um, well, I guess technically I rode for Gritties, but it, Gritties is like such a huge team. It didn't feel like I was on a team. Right. Um how many miles did you say it is? It's 180 miles over the course of three days. Okay, yep. Um, and do you, have, do you have support along the way then? Like people bring food and you... You have whatever. stations. It's yeah. like every 15, 20 miles, they have little stops yep. where they have water stations and snacks. And half the time they have like face painting and massages <laughs> if you want them. Um, there used to be in the old trek this huge hill on the second day called Watermelon Hill. And we called it Watermelon Hill because at the top of the hill, there was just this random family who for years had just um, put a bunch of watermelon and water for the trekkers at the top of the hill, not organized through the trek, just like really fantastic thing. human beings, like kind of like Appalachian Trail magic. This was like bike magic. And they just like appeared every year. Um, and three years ago, they stopped doing the mountains to the sea route, which was from Sunday River to Belfast. And I was really sad that that stopped. Yeah, I wonder where the watermelon family is. I, that's how I feel too. I'm like, man, there's no giant hills in the new, in the new, like it starts in Brunswick and then loops back to Brunswick. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we, watermelon hill that was such a good part of the track yeah i'm really curious about this family i want to like track them down i want their their story how good of a human are you to be like i'm not any part of this trek across maine but bikers come by here every year and that's a huge hill so we're just gonna give them watermelon it's really great like that's like like for like 20 years, this this was like a very long standing tradition. And they're always like up there with like cowbells and signs and like rooting people on. And it's like, what a cool thing. Yeah. And, and it's something like that too, where you're really pushing, you're riding. It's, it's a, there's a lot going on. And to probably be at the bottom of that hill, knowing at the top that, that that's there. I mean, talk about to get you through that section, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. That's great. I mean, again, you know, the world could use more people like that, whether it's, you know, you know, literally on the side of the road, giving watermelon or just a uh, emotional, you know, support and things like that. That's yeah. really wonderful. It's so yeah. cool. So, so you, that your first year, then you successfully rode from the mountains to the sea. Yeah. 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 And, uh, did you immediately upon completing it say, I'm doing this forever? Or? Yeah. 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 That was essentially what it was. Um, Because I rode that year, you know, in essence for my mom. And at every hard point, I would think like, this is the the suffering and pain that I feel like I'm feeling is like nothing compared to the suffering and pain that my mom was feeling Mm -hmm. and so many other people feel too. Um, And that like is what got me through like the really long, grueling parts. And I was just like, yeah, you are so physically capable of doing this. Um, Like you you can't you can't quit. You just got to keep going (laughs) and you got to keep going hard because I'm a person like I'm in competition with myself. So it's like I could have slowed down, but I had like a goal and I wanted to like meet a certain goal. So I was like. I have to beat myself in this competition that wasn't even a competition because it's not a race at all. That's not what the trek is about. But it was like, for me, it was like a race for myself. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you meet a lot of wonderful people with the same, you know, a lot of similar backstories. And do you make any uh, lifelong friends through these treks? A ton. So the year after that, I started riding for Winter Stick Snowboards. um, And I met the people on Winter Stick and like... It was it was so cool the following year that like the second year I rode with them we hadn't seen each other at all for a whole year and we only met that one time but when we got together it was like we were family and it was like we're camping out we're drinking beer together catching up on each other's lives it's like I've seen these people kind of only two times in my whole life <laughs> but like you feel such a bond with them because you're kind of like all in this thing together. Um, 
And like, that's something that I will like always carry with me. Yeah, absolutely. And in the end is raising money for a great organization. Um, what is the name of the organization again? It's the American Lung Association. Okay. You you mentioned that at the beginning, right? Sorry. It's fine. (laughs) Um, and so you're planning on doing that again this year or this summer then? Yeah, definitely. When does it take place? It takes place father, father's day weekend. Oh, so it's coming up every year. So it's coming up. Um, it's the same time every year always Father's Day weekend and it starts on Friday and goes through Sunday and you can do a three-day trek, two-day trek, or you can do a one-day loop. Yeah, it'll be interesting to maybe follow up uh, through social media and see, yeah. see how it goes. But <laughs> it, It's going to go great. I yeah. already know it. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm excited for it. Um, so you, you're primarily road bike now. Do you do mountain bike at all or anything like that? I have before and that is like on my list of bikes that I want to get is any kind of like mountain bike or fat tire bike um, or a bike that I can interchange Mm -hmm. a mountain tire with a fat tire. Um, I did go to, is it Henderson Park or starts with an H? Oh, um, it's Highland. Like Highland. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, it starts with an H. I know it starts with yeah. an H. Highland Park. I did get an opportunity. Main Beer Company got a bunch of free tickets to give to employees, and I got to go to Highland Park and do rented the, bikes and, and do the whole rent thing. the bike yeah. and do the whole thing. And I was like, this reminds me of dirt biking a little bit. You get like the thrill, and you can like get some air. And I was like, okay, right. I could get really into this. So, do you still uh, uh, ride dirt bikes? I still ride dirt bikes. So then, the transition. So, riding dirt bikes, you're getting a lot of air, and you're used to a much larger suspension than the downhill bike, obviously. But so, I was just picturing going from a road bike to all of a sudden Highland Park, where you're flying down these giant rollers. But for you, it wasn't that far detached from what you were comfortable with. Yeah, because it just re- it did remind me a lot of a dirt bike. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't remind me all of road biking, right. like um, and also like you know when you're road biking, you want to be tucked in and you want your knees tucked in, and then you want your knees out when you're mountain biking. You don't want to be tucked in, and that's the same with dirt biking too. Like you want to have like the full body control and you want to be able to be like leaning into everything that Mm -hmm. you're doing. So for me, that is like mountain biking is so much more closely related to dirt biking than it is to road biking. Yeah. 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 That's cool. So it's on your list. I mean, expanding the the bike quivers is is the dream of everybody who rides bikes, right? Yeah. Right. When you think that, you know what, I've all the bikes I need, you'll find a reason to find something else. I have room in my van for probably like two two bikes mm-hmm. like yeah. with because i got to be able to keep everything else in my right. garage so speaking of traveling so you're, you're building out this van right now um it's very exciting very jealous of this whole plan <laughs> you got going on do you have any uh, adventures planned with that uh, I really want to go out west. What's your timeline right now looking like with this van I'm, build? I'm like, it's going to be done in a couple weeks. I'm going to live in it for the summer. I'm going to save all my money because I'm not paying rent because I'm living in a van. <laughs> and um, and I like have a, a place to park it. I have shore power in the van oh. so I can like plug in. Killer. It's, it's like like not, nothing could be better. Um, and my goal is to be able to take this winter to just go and see the U S cause it's like, so I've been to almost 40 countries, um, but wow, I haven't yeah. been to 40 States. Wow. Okay. So I'm yeah. like, okay, funny? I'm like missing out on like my own country and I'm like, it's time. Maybe I need to like explore a little bit here. And a big part of it was me wanting to like bring my bike there's this uh hundred mile stretch of road in texas and they do a hundred mile death race is what they call it and it's just a hundred miles in one day in like the blistering heat on flat road why do i want to put myself through that (laughs) i'm not sure but it's like a men- like huge mental challenge. I'm like, I really, that's on my bucket list of things to do. That's great. I'm r- sure you'll accomplish that. it. It might, it might uh, suck a little bit, but uh, I'm sure you'll yeah. make it to the end. It's and- totally going to suck. But at the end, I'm going to be like, 
okay, that was worth it. Man, that's one of those things too. It's it's one of those challenges that I'm I'm assuming once you do it, you don't necessarily feel like you have to do it again and do it faster or something. You've yeah. done it. That was it. You're good. Oh yeah, that's like a <laughs> one and done for me for sure. <laughs> yeah. Any other place in the country you're excited to travel to? Um, to bike. I really want to go to Utah and do some like biking like through the desert mm-hmm. i really want to do some desert biking i feel like that would be it's high really on my neat. list as well yeah. yeah or like maybe like upstate arizona like mm-hmm. that area would be really cool um i i would i don't know if like so i went to iceland once and i did fat tire biking on a glacier mm-hmm. and i'm like i feel like i want to do some fat tire biking and some snow like through Colorado. I don't know. Do they do that there? I'm sure they do. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, yeah. that sounds really fun to me. <laughs> yeah, right. It does. Um, so back to your, uh, 40 countries. So obviously wanderlust, a lot of traveling going on. Did you ever get a chance to ride bikes in foreign countries at all? Uh, or, or always, always. Okay. I was yeah. always, whether it was like a lot of it was scootering, um, around or like dirt biking around but a lot of it was pedal biking because you can get a bike for so cheap that i wouldn't feel bad i would like buy a bike in one place get to my destination and be like i'm just gonna give this to someone because i paid like five dollars for it so i'm not that concerned about it um and that was really cool like all over southeast asia that was really easy for me and then i lived um for three months on this tiny two um, square kilometer island called Malapasqua, mm-hmm. where I was um, doing shark guiding for diving. Okay, yep. And there were no cars allowed on the island. Where, where, where in the world is this? It's in the Philippines. Okay. It's in like um, off the tip of the main island of Cebu. So basically, like the dead center of the Philippines. Um, and the only way you could really get around the island was on a bike. So I just was like always like biking all around on this island, like all my dive stuff on my back, just getting wherever I needed to go on this like tiny little place. And I kept that bike for the whole three months I was there. Right on, I, yeah. I, I loved that bike. And I was like, I kind of want to take this piece of crap with me. <laughs> well, you had so many memories on it, too. Yeah. And everything happening. Yeah. Because that ended up just uh, getting handed off to somebody as I well I just then. left it. Yeah. I almost got stuck on that island for the pandemic. Barely oh, made it off. Yeah. But I made it off, and I, and I left it to one of the guys at the dive shop. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's still being ridden around. I'm sure it is, right? I'm sure yeah, it is. Right? Yeah, a, a little island like that, you don't. It's not a disposable type of thing. It's not. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, you also traveled to South America. You were talking about uh, Guatemala. I want to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. That trip. It seemed to be a pretty bike inspired story. Yeah. So Guatemala um, was one of the very first places that I like solo traveled long term to. And I did this 10-day trek along the border of Mexico and Guatemala. And between the mountains that we were hiking, one of the only ways we could get from place to place was either hitchhiking or biking. And the majority of the time, we were like, we're just going to bike. And then it kind of accidentally turned into a biking trip instead of a hiking trip. (laughs) So who were were you with? You the group or Yeah, these... just some random people that I met in this little town called Shayla. So um, I was in Shayla and I originally was supposed to go from Shayla to Lake Adelon. And then I was like, met this group and they're like, we're thinking of doing this. I'm like, that sounds super fun. Maybe I'll just do this instead. Uh, So I ended up tagging along and I was like, maybe I'll just do a day or two with you guys until you get towards Lake Adelon because they were kind of headed up that way um and then there's this little province um that's a town called Nabai and in Nabai I was like okay I think that I'm kind of in this for the long haul (laughs) and what made me decide that was they're like yeah we're gonna get these bikes and we're gonna like go from Nabai up to this other province and it's probably gonna take us like two days to get there and maybe we'll hitchhike along the way and like ditch the bikes. We'll see how it goes. Um, and I'm like, okay, yeah. Keeping it pretty loose I'm the like, whole way, though. Yeah, yeah keeping yeah. it super yeah. loose. I'm like, that sounds so fun. So we find these bikes and uh, we're like, okay, let's go. And we just 
Which is pretty amazing. I mean, like, so these this is the type of trip, though, that a lot of people plan way ahead of time. They dial in all of their gear. They get the, the right bike. They get all of the, their panniers. They get all the right, their kit going and everything like that. And it sounds like you just basically said, oh, there's a bike over there. Let's just start riding it towards the coast. Yeah, that's essentially what we did. <laughs> pretty amazing. Yeah, and it was like... That's kind of how all of my bike stories traveling go. I've never planned anything. I've had like an idea of stuff that I've wanted to do. Like I, there was this little like jungle course, um, like in Northern Thailand where you can ride bikes. It's like a mountain Mm -hmm. biking thing. I'm like, that sounds really cool. I absolutely am going to do that. And then I get to Thailand and I never even did that. Really? I, yeah. I'm like, that was like... <laughs> so a, the planned things never the happened. The plans thing, they never happened. So I just was like, I'm just going to stop planning. Um, and somehow I always end up on a bike, like one way or another. Like, I just... It's going to happen. They're literally everywhere in the whole entire world. Mm-hmm. It's like the most accessible mode of transport that I've ever seen. I mean, that's one of the reasons I do this podcast, too. The original idea is that you can go anywhere in the world, and I can, I can maybe not speak the same language, not even necessarily understand much about the culture, but if you both have a bike, there's such a, a universal aspect of that that you can already understand that that language, the language of a bike, right? So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, so your the Guatemala trip, though, so how did that all uh, pan out for you then? It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. And it was really, that trip is really what sparked the big travel bug in me. Like I did the Iceland thing and the fat tire biking on the glacier before the Guatemala trip, but only like a couple months before. Um, And that trip there like sealed the deal. Like A, I can do this alone and I don't need anyone to come with me. I can like meet people and everything is going to be fine. Um, and two, I like, I was shocked that I could go to this um, undeveloped nation and like find bikes. Like that never occurred to me. Um, I didn't think about it when I was going yeah. there. And the fact that it just happened, I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I traveled to a couple other parts of Guatemala, went to Tikal. And they're like, oh, yeah, you can just, like, rent a bike and, like, ride around the ruins of Tikal. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean I can just, like, ride a bike around, like, the oldest, like, Maya site that is known in our entire world? That's a thing. thing. I was like, okay. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. So that was really amazing, too. Yeah. So do you have any other, I mean, obviously with the van now, you probably don't have a whole lot of international travel. You're saying you you, you need to get to 40 states now, right? Yeah, <laughs> I want to do the state thing. I do have to get to Brazil um, just to visit some friends. And I need to get to Turkey mm-hmm. to visit fr- some friends. And I need to get back to the Philippines because um, that's like my favorite place I've ever traveled is yeah, the Philippines. Yeah. I know that you were really into the scuba diving aspect of that as well. Yeah, so. that was huge for me too. Yeah. I can't wait to follow along with your travels and stuff. I'm excited. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, of all of the, your hobbies, so you, you started rattling them off before we hit record. You do everything. Why don't you just rattle off your, your top, um, <laughs> top 25 hobbies? <laughs> so I like love to crochet, play the piano, play the flute. I'm super into drawing flash tattoos. Um, recently picked up some cross-stitching as a hobby. I'm big into plants and gardening. Uh, I really am like trying to teach myself how to properly sew with a sewing machine. Um, I love to cook. I love to bake. I'm big on the bagel train. I've perfected my New York style bagels. Okay. <laughs> um, like, like, per- like really, truly perfected my recipe during the pandemic. And I'm really proud of that. And, um, yeah, just being outside, hi- like hiking, biking, I'm like, are those even hobbies? Those are like in- so ingrained in me. I don't even know. It's a if lifestyle. I can- yeah, it's, hobby, yeah, like yeah. being outside in general and being active. 
um, is definitely more of a lifestyle than a hobby. I can't wait to see what uh, hobbies you pick up along the road, uh, the adventures ahead. (laughs) I don't know how how you have the time and the day to do all of this. I don't, I, that's, I have to like really pick and choose. Like I really have to pick and choose and it's like, it's hard sometimes. I'm like, man, I really want to crochet today, but it's really nice outside. So maybe I will, I don't know, go hiking instead. <laughs> right, right. Or hike to the top of a mountain and then crochet, crochet. there. Definitely done that. Yeah, okay. I've done that. I can see it. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, I feel like, uh, you know, with all of this adventure ahead of you and all these hobbies you need to probably get back to, it's probably a good good place to call uh, call it for for today. Well, I really appreciate your time. Uh, <laughs> this has been a super fun conversation and we could probably do a two-part series. Maybe we'll have you come back in the fall for season three or something like yes. that. Yes. Um, before I let you go though, uh, anybody want to say hi to out there or anything you want to plug? Um, definitely want to say hi to my mom because she's like such a big inspiration for me um, for like being on my bike um, and also just like shout out to all of the people going into the service industry and bar harbor and all the people that are going to be riding their bikes on that island um share the road please if you're a tourist anywhere at all um three feet (laughs) (laughs) put down your phone yeah put down your phone three feet also if you are on a bike or a longboard uh please wear a helmet and in bar harbor too maybe even pedestrians should wear helmets Probably not a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything you want to plug? Any organizations or anything like that? Um, I definitely want to plug the Trek Across Maine um, and the Dempsey Challenge. If anybody has um, time or funds to support either of those organizations, Bike Maine is going to be coming up in September too. Um, if you cannot ride or cannot donate, there are so many stops along the way. You can be those watermelon hill people for the riders, um, or even just getting out there and like cheering people on um, and and supporting the cause that they're doing. Uh, Bicycle Coalition too, out of Portland, Maine, they do so many things. Um, definitely check them out. Donate to that. Go to your bike swap. Buy used bikes if you can. Bikes don't always have to be super expensive. Um, thrift shop, side of the road. Yeah. You can find them. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Cool, cool. Well, again, thanks so much, Abby. It was really a pleasure to sit down and have conversations about bikes and travels and all this fun stuff. Uh, anybody out there, if you have any stories that you'd like to share, love to hear from you. Website, iRideabike.com. You can also follow along on Instagram and Facebook at iRideabike. And until next time, wear those helmets. Ride safe and ride happy. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Abby. That was awesome. Yeah. Take me back to the times when we would grab our bikes and ride the days into the night. Though our eyes would soon be This has been a production of iRide LLC. For more information, please visit iRideABike.com. Theme song by Spencer Alby. Want to hear more? Enter at Spencer Alby on socials and streaming platforms.